Well, guys, it's 2023, and maybe you say made some resolutions a week or so ago, and you've already broken your resolutions. You, you haven't been able to keep them already, and it's just a weekend. I'm here to help you. I'm going to give you some resolutions you can actually keep, okay? First one, you know what? Uh, you say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. No, no, no. I'm going to cut up my Krispy Kreme credit cards. You can at least do that, okay? Here's another one. I'm going to read 20 good books this year. How about finishing the book I started in 2020? <laughs> yeah, now that's a more realistic one. Let's keep going. Pay off my entire mortgage this year. Well, maybe not. Buy new tires at Sam's Club? Probably could do that resolution. Here's another one. Uh, watch less TV. Here's an easier one. Watch more TV. I've been missing some good stuff, right? Spend more time with the kids, all right? How about just go through fast food drive-throughs very slowly? That'll just be your way of spending time with the kids. Okay, here's another one. Get more exercise daily. Maybe that's been hard already. How about watch more sports to get an idea of how to exercise daily? Just kind of get started this year. How about get my Christmas shopping done by September? Wow. How about take down this year's tree before March? These are more reachable. Quit a really bad habit. Here's another one. Get in a whole new rut. <laughs> That's an easy resolution to keep. Stop procrastinating. How about stop procrastinating starting tomorrow? Yeah, okay. Get to worship on time. Yeah, that's our goal as a family or as an individual. How about get to worship 15 minutes late, then stick around for the beginning of the next worship time. Hey, that counts, right, okay. And then keep our house really clean this year. Maybe install dimmer switches so people don't see what's the clutter around. So those are resolutions you can actually keep, and I hope they're helpful to you as you begin 2023. Today, though, seriously, we are starting a new, brand new series, and it is a whole new beginning. That's what we're talking about in this message. A whole new beginning, not just to the year, but to your life. And we are beginning a new series in the book of Proverbs. And if you stop by the church, you can pick up a scripture journal 31 chapters. We're going to be several months in the book of Proverbs and you're going to love it together. You can also stop by the uh, church and there's a there's a kind of a a uh, chart of the book of Revelations that we're providing for you as well. So 2023 we get started. We have dreams, we have hopes, we have plans. But we're also going to enter into some challenges, to some obstacles, uh, some temptations, some stuff we weren't expecting. There will be the known and the unknown. There will be the expected and the unexpected, right? But what if, what if God is saying to us, this could be like your best year ever. This could be a whole new beginning for your life. Because we're going to open up God's word and we're going to learn something new, a lot of new things. And we're going to apply it to our lives in such a way that it transforms us. And it might not be the easiest year of your life, but it could be the best year of your life by taking God's word seriously. What if you could have a whole new beginning in life? What if you could identify some areas in need of attention? What if you could build on some strengths, shore up some weaknesses, and identify blind spots and areas for growth? What if you could improve in 2023 every single relationship you have and become a better person, deeper in character, stronger in persevering through the challenges of life, savvier in making decisions, better at reading situations and people? What if you could enjoy your life more, avoid self-defeating actions and attitudes, 
and you could have more this year, more patience, more joy, more contentment, more kindness. You could be smarter at living life and ultimately bringing more glory to God through becoming God's very best version of you, the God, the, the person God created you to be. So we just finished a few weeks ago a long series in the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is telling us where we're heading, what's, what's happening, what are the challenges we're facing, and what, what, what's gonna, coming up there. But the book of Proverbs, it's not where we're heading, it's how to get there. It has very practical, relevant teaching to everyday life to take the themes and the principles and the theology and the mindsets and the themes of books like Revelation and say, okay, how do you work this out in everyday life? There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. If you've never read them, we're gonna read them through them this uh, next few months, one chapter a week. So this week, starting this week, you will read chapter one and the next week, chapter two, and so forth. And we'll walk our way through that each, uh, during each message and each weekend. And a lot of, some of you have read the book of Proverbs and you're like, wow, it, it's just like random. It's like all these strange sayings kind of thrown together. What, where is it going? What's it all about? How do I understand this book? And just like Revelation was sometimes a mystery to people or they're a little bit intimidated by it or they're like, ah, I'm not sure if I can do this. Book of Proverbs also, sometimes people get overwhelmed by the sheer volume of sayings and proverbs and, and uh, insights that are given to us. But we're gonna take it a week at a time, we're gonna bring it down and we're gonna bring it to real life. And I think you're gonna love it. I think you are gonna find so many practical things for your life, for your family, for your, uh, your career, uh, for all the things of life that you deal with. It's there for Proverbs, and we're gonna take a long time to get through it, and it's gonna be great. So think of Proverbs, especially the latter part of the book, like starting in chapter 10 through 31, as God's tweets through Solomon and, and a variety of other men and women that we will meet along the way in the book of Proverbs. A book of Proverbs is about everyday life with everyday opportunities and everyday challenges. The book of Proverbs is a book of Proverbs. That is wise sayings, things that are, speak truth to situations that we face. It is not called the book of promises. That is, they are not kind of ironclad every single time this is the way it's gonna be, it's gonna work, but they are general principles of life that generally speaking are true and all of them ultimately will come true, all right? They're not, the book of Proverbs is not about formulas to follow, but a different outlook on your life. It is about shaping your mind, your character, your temperament, your attitudes, perspectives that can be reshaped. And the result of this uh, series, I believe, was gonna be a truly beautiful, occasionally difficult, but ultimately rewarding life following Jesus Christ. So get a Proverbs journal, read chapter one this week, get in a life group to discuss and apply the weekly message with friends who will share their insights, who will build a, a relationship with you and, uh, and help us think together through this book of Proverbs. So let's get started. Are you ready to dive into a whole new beginning to your life starting right now? All right, let's go to Proverbs. Chapter one, verse one. It's called the title of the book, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Let's just look at this first word, Proverbs. What is a proverb? A proverb is a, is a word, the word is a wide ranging word with a lot of uh, understanding and meaning behind it but it's about wise principles. It's about observations of life. It sometimes can even mean wisecracks 
like kind of a notable wisecrack about a situation. Um, sometimes it's, a, it's just like a memorable tweet that's just short, pithy, but it drives home a point supernaturally into your heart. And it's the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now Solomon um, is not the only author of the, of the Proverbs we're gonna come up against in these 31 chapters, but he is the primary author or at least collector of these wise sayings. And he puts them together for us. And most of the book are Proverbs of Solomon. And Solomon was the son of the greatest king of Israel, and that is King David. And he was the son of David, and he was, uh, he, he became co-ruler, co-regent with David. When David was old, Solomon kind of came alongside him, almost second in command, almost co-ruler at the age of 20. So at a very young age, Solomon begins to rule. And then he formally becomes king of Israel in the year 970 BC. So think a thousand years before the public ministry of Jesus Christ. And he became king at age 29. He's a young guy when he starts as king. And when he got started, now Solomon, if you know his story, and we'll get more into it as we walk through it together. Solomon uh, was a remarkable person. He, he did follow the Lord, he loved the Lord, but he also made a lot of mistakes. So the book of Proverbs is, is a, God uses Solomon as a vehicle, but it's not always saying follow Solomon's life because Solomon's life sometimes was a mess. But God still used a broken vessel, an imperfect man, Solomon, to communicate these Proverbs that he collected, that he authored, that he observed, and that he shared with us. But when he just was becoming... Um, the, uh, the, the king, there was a moment where, where Solomon knew he was, he needed help. And in, in 2 Kings chapter 3, um, verse uh, 7, it says, uh, Solomon prays, Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So he's intimidated by this weighty responsibility. And he says, so give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge to lead this great people of yours? And then the author says in uh, 1 Kings, now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this, he requested wisdom, knowledge, insight, discernment. He goes, and you did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice. He says, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there is there." has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. So that's how Solomon begins and God pours out wisdom, excuse me, <coughs> on his life. He's the primary author and collector, but he's not the only one, but he becomes legendary for his wisdom. He reigned for 40 years. He made a lot of serious mistakes, but he was still regarded as a wise king. So there's a lot to learn from this fascinating and wide-ranging book 
Solomon is a vehicle, a broken jar of clay, but God still used him to communicate these incredible things. And here's what he says. Proverbs son, uh, of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Notice here that um, these titles, by the way, are the same titles that eventually who? Jesus will have. Son of David, king of Israel. So Solomon is anticipating a greater king yet to come. In fact, Jesus even said to, uh, to people who were uh, opposing him, he says, now someone greater than Solomon is here. You're not listening. So it all points forward to Jesus ultimately. That's where we ultimately get wisdom. He says, the prophets of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline. The word learning means to know personally, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge, to be able to actually live it out, to know it from experience. Wisdom and discipline. Um, so wisdom is the ability and the know-how to skillfully live life. Discipline is, is sometimes the practical correction that we need to make in our lives that others bring to our lives so that we can get on the right path for understanding insightful sayings. So we have deeper understanding of the situations that our life is going in. Because guys, here's the truth. We got so many things we don't know what we're doing. 2023, life's a mess sometimes. We need deeper understanding. This is what Proverbs is for, to live life skillfully. Verse three, for receiving prudent instruction. That, that, I, I don't love that translation. It's really more about cleverness, thoughtfulness, about reading situations, street smarts, receiving these street smarts in, in righteousness, justice, and integrity. These words are all about relationships. They're about how we relate to people in our community, to our neighbors, right? Um, they're relational words. So he's saying, if you read these Proverbs and understand it, you're gonna be able to read situations and people better. In fact, wisdom is seeing people and things from God's perspective. It is the heart knowledge of how to live a godly life in community. So you'll be able to read situations and make good decisions and have a life that's filled with more purpose and more contentment and more blessing because you're following the wisdom of God. He says it's for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced. Sometimes this word inexperience is translated to the simple. Um, it doesn't mean a stupid person or a low IQ person. Uh, it's they're just inexperienced. They might be gullible or naive and they need some shrewdness. In other words, it's gonna help you think this through. Think this through. Think about where this leads. See how the dominoes will fall. So sometimes young people, he says, they need that knowledge and discretion to a young man. It's, it's written to everybody, but it, it's focusing here in this verse on people that are younger that maybe don't have that much life experience yet. Um, it is not simple like, uh, like remember Dumb and Dumber? Remember this? Yeah, the movie. It's not like, you, 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 yeah, no, it's not insulting these people like Dumb and Dumber. Uh, it's just they just don't have enough life experience to know. When I came here to Valley Church, I was 29 years old. So uh, I had the same age as Solomon. We became king of Israel. And guys, you know, <laughs> I learned a lot over the years, uh, a lot through mistakes I've made. Um, but I, I do think that given some life experiences of the last 32, 33 years, um, I've, I've gained a little bit of insight. And that's what he's talking about. It's just having enough life experiences that you, you can gain some wisdom there. And then he says, verse five, and it's not just for the, the young, the, 
the, the inexperienced, it's let a wise person listen and increase their learning. So maybe you're further along on the life learning curve. You, you, you've made some progress, but you can still learn. You don't really ever graduate from the school of God's wisdom, right? That's what he's saying. Never stop learning. Have you ever seen somebody who just stopped learning? There's a lot of Christians that they haven't learned anything new about life even. For decades, they've just gotten stuck. And he says, get unstuck. Let a wise person listen and increase their learning. And again, not just head knowledge, it's experiential knowledge of how to live a life that has purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And let a discerning person obtain guidance. So somebody who already has some really good street smarts and really good understanding of the ways of God, they can still increase a lot in gaining discernment, understanding the difference between good and evil, being able to see through situations and community and culture. That's what he's talking about. Never stop learning. They, they sometimes say, can you really teach a, an old dog new, tri new tricks, you know? Um, you know, he's old. Can he, can you really learn anything when you're old? Well, here's the good news. I don't know if an old dog can learn new tricks, but here's the good news. You're not an old dog. You're a child of God. And he promises here, you can learn, no matter how old you are or how wise you might be, you can learn some new things. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. These are different forms of sayings we're going to come across in the book of Proverbs. And sometimes there are going to be these uh, proverbs, like general observations of life. Sometimes there are going to be parables. There's like telling a story. And there's a point to it. And then there's the words of the wise, just really insightful sayings that other people have, have said. And they're riddles. Sometimes riddles here is, um, is stuff that makes you think hard, stuff that makes you take a second look at stuff. Um, causes you to look more deeply at, at things. And it requires a riddle to solve it, requires some work and some commitment because life's a puzzle. Life's complicated. I came across this the other day on, on the internet. It was uh, this old time playground, okay? Uh, I think this was in Dallas, Texas. And you got kids, I don't know, they're like 20 feet off the ground and they're doing, you know, stuff on this high bar and so forth. And I think people have different responses when they see this. Some people are like, Whoa, 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 whoa. That is clearly not OSHA approved. And there's other people looking at this and saying, those are the good old days when kids were tough and they actually learned something. And which one of those perspectives is right? Well, it's a riddle. It makes you think, well, which one is right? Is it, should we be more careful or should we be more adventurous? Not going to give you the answer. And maybe there's wisdom in both of those things. That's what the book of Proverbs is about. It's giving you situations and saying, think this through. Wisdom to sort through it all. So here's the first commitment. If you're gonna have a whole new beginning to your life and to this year, 2023, you say, I will seek opportunities to grow in wisdom. You're making a commitment. You're saying, I want to grow in wisdom. I want this in my life. That's the first thing. How do you get there? Where do you start? So glad you asked. Verse seven tells us the answer. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. They have no time for that. They reject it immediately. But he's saying there is a beginning central truth that you have to grasp. And that is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom in another verse. This, this verse, verse uh, chapter one, verse seven is, excuse me, the central theme and the motto of the whole book of Revelation. It is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, sometimes people get confused about this. Fear of the Lord, am I supposed to be afraid of God? And I can't approach him, he, he's scary, uh, you know, I can't, I, I, I can't even approach him because like the great and terrible Wizard of Oz. Is that sort of fear? 
No, 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 no. It's not a cringing terror of God. It's not a wimpy coward who's afraid of attempting anything in life because it might mess up. The fear of the Lord is simply this. It's taking God seriously in your life. That's what it means. Here's a picture of the Grand Canyon, okay? It's amazing. If you've ever been there, it's just absolutely stunning. But you get up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you have a respect for that because it's a long way down. And if you have a little kids, you're holding their hands a little tighter, right? Every year, on average, 11 people fall to their deaths at the Grand Canyon because they do stupid stuff. And at least half of those 11 deaths are related to horseplay or trying to take selfies. They don't respect. They have no right fear. There's a reason you should be afraid of going over the edge because you will fall to your death. So it's not that you can't visit the Grand Canyon or admire it or love it or be amazed by it. It means you respect that this place is mysterious and there's, there's some power here and there's some danger here and I need to be careful. So that's what's saying about our relationship with God. It's taking God seriously by consistently saying yes to God and no to things that he is against. So let me, let me spell out fear for you, okay, real quick. So um, here we go. I just wanna give you a little acronym. This might help you to remember fear as we walk through it together because we are gonna see a lot of this, this phrase in the, in the book of uh, um, Proverbs. And fear, okay, F-E-A-R, and it's very simple. Just a simple way to remember it. For every area, respect. For every area of your life, you have a respect for God. You take him seriously. For every area in your life, you say, I'm going to listen to what God says and not just what I think. I'm actually going to question my own wisdom sometimes and say, well, maybe God has a different angle on this. This is going to deeply challenge us. I mean, we're going to have 31 chapters of stuff that's going to stretch you, challenge you, but it's saying fear for every area, respect, R-E-S-P-C-T that we should have for God. That is what Proverbs is all about. So Proverbs are not just merely self-help sayings and tools, um, not just pithy inspirational quotes, but it is an entire way to approach your life. It is finding the center and the foundation. The foundation is taking God seriously. It is reorienting your entire way of thinking and living with your faith relationship to Jesus as the main foundation of your life. It gets set into the nitty gritty real life situations you will face on a day to day basis. It's not Sunday faith. It's Sunday faith applied to Monday through Saturday living. Jesus, who said he was one greater than Solomon, taught this simple truth as well. I don't know if you remember at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had a, um, had a parable about um, the wise and the foolish builders. And they, there were two houses. And guys, here's two houses. Um, and from the outside, they look almost the same. I mean, they're pretty similar. You can't see by just every ordinary day that there's any difference between these two houses. But Jesus says there's two different types of people. There's wise people and there's foolish people. And wise people are people who build their life on a firm foundation and foolish people don't. Now, for a long time, 
And, and I, I had this observation and I, I remember some, uh, some wonderful uh, mission partners had the same observation, it was incredible. We were talking about one day and they said, I used, to, I used to kind of scan through that verse and I always thought, well, Jesus is talking about, there's people that know Jesus and there's people that don't know Jesus. There's people who hear and say they believe in Jesus and there's, there's people who don't hear and they don't say they believe in Jesus. But actually that's not true. In the parable, both of them hear Jesus, both of them say they believe it, but only one of them actually puts it into practice. Wise is hearing and doing, putting it into practice. Foolish is hearing and then not putting it into practice. And he says, and then, and only then will you discover the difference between these two houses. Because the storms come against them and one house is destroyed because it's not built on a foundation. It's on sand and it just is obliterated. The other house in the same kind of storm survives and stands after a fierce storm. This is what the fear of the Lord is about. It's about taking God seriously. It's about hearing what Jesus teaches, about hearing what God teaches and saying, I'm gonna respect God enough to take him seriously and to actually do that and say yes to him. Jesus in that same parable, uh, actually in Luke's gospel says a very, uh, I think pretty convicting word to, to his disciples, but also to us. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do what I say. You, you, you kind of pretend that I'm your Lord, but you don't really follow through. Why do you say that? In order to have a whole new beginning of life, second principle is this. I will take God seriously by consistently saying yes to him. It means you come into situations and you're gonna say yes to God and no to what the culture is saying if it's contrary to what God says. You're gonna say yes to God if it's contrary to what you say and what you believe, and what you've always thought. If God says it differently, then you say, okay, for every area, respect. I'm gonna take God seriously by consistently saying yes to him. Guys, this is the central message of the book of Proverbs. It is, that is the foundation of everything. If you don't take that foundation, you're not gonna get anywhere in your life. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. They don't wanna hear about it. They have no interest in a relationship with Jesus. They just wanna do their own thing. And they might pick up some pithy things along the way in church and so forth, but they're not really seriously following Jesus. This is about seriously taking God seriously and consistently saying yes to him. But keep going. He says, he goes on. He says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't regret, uh, don't reject your mother's teaching. Interestingly, in the faith of Israel, that both the father, guys, and the mother are, are noted here. It's father and mother. This was unique in the ancient world because typically, even though a lot of it's gonna be given just for sake of brevity, uh, it's gonna be father, son. But from the very beginning, it's, it's talking about both men and women, fathers and mothers. And they're figures to, to communicate the, the, uh, the teaching of the book of Proverbs. It's not just literal fathers and literal mothers, but he's saying, listen to people, men and women who are godly, who you respect, Listen especially to those who follow Jesus, who are your fathers and mothers. For they, he says, will be a garland of favor on your head. This is a wreath of victory, of triumph, of power, of vindication of the truth. And there will be pendants around your neck. So in the ancient world, jewelry communicated that you were successful, that you were worthy of being admired, that it was a symbol of beauty and a beautiful life, actually. So he says, by listening to what the wisdom that you're gonna hear in this book, 
you're gonna have a beautiful life. Uh, you're gonna have a life that can be challenging, but it's gonna be beautiful. You're gonna be, you're gonna find more success, much more than if you go your own way. Do you wanna be a champion, he's saying. Then listen to what I'm saying, son, daughter. Here's the third principle. To have a whole new beginning to life, you have to say, I believe that God wants my best. He's not trying to keep you from fun. He's not trying to ruin your life. You're saying he wants me to wear the victory wreath. He wants me to have a beautiful life that is gonna be rewarding and amazing. Do you really believe that? Or in the back of your mind is like following God in this area is actually gonna not be good for me. You have to come to a point of faith where you say, I believe God wants my best. This is a big time trait throughout Proverbs because when you believe that God really wants your best, you become teachable. And teachable or teachability will be of important trait. Can you receive instruction? Are you willing to learn a different way? So important. Guys, we live in a culture that is so, it's so broken, it's so messed up. And we need some wisdom from somewhere else. I just made a list of some of the things that, that we're, we're plagued with in our culture uh, and, and how we need a different direction. And this is what Proverbs is all about. It says there's something new you can learn here because God wants your best for your life. Uh, entitlement. We live in a culture of entitlement, of polarization. We live in a, tired, uh, a culture that's easily angered. There's racism in our culture. There's hatefulness in our culture. There are people who just live in echo chambers of just listening to the same perspectives, whether they're right or wrong, on all different sides of issues. There's greed, there's shallowness, there's loneliness, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's arrogance, disrespectfulness. There is a very casual and distorted view of sex. Uh, we live in a culture that is easily offended, wants to stand on their rights, but don't, doesn't always wanna take the responsibilities. We live in a culture that's oftentimes pessimistic, prayerless, unhappy, addicted to all sorts of things that are unhealthy and wrong, from substances to porn to uh, relentless pursuit of career at all costs, abusive. I mean, you name it. There's, there's so many things that, that we need to find out how we can get to a better life a more beautiful life. And he says, listen to me, because if you do, I'll put a victory wreath on your head and you'll have a beautiful life. Do you today really believe that God wants the best for your life? Answer that question. Keep going. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. So he's given a warning now. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone, let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol, that's the grave. Whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll all share the loot. So this is this crazy story he tells about this marauding group of gang members, basically, who say, we're uh, thieving murderers. Come throw in your lot with us. And then in verse 15, he says, my, my son, don't travel that road with them. Don't go there or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. What, what is this gang sort of offering to, to the son in this little story? A sense of belonging, a sense of camaraderie, friendship, fun, riches, but it's all evil. It's all from the wrong sources. 
Now, I've read this, and I've got to ask you a simple question. How many of you out there have been approached by a gang of marauding and thieving murderers who have asked you, come and join us? If I'm guessing, most of you haven't had that very often. I know a few people that have. I know one person who had ended up spending 25 years in prison. Um, but most of us don't face this situation. Then, then why is this one of the, the first example given to us? Because guys, it's a parable. It's a riddle. It's the first one we come up to. In a sense, I think it's like the parable of the Good Samaritan in reverse. It's a reverse Good Samaritan story. The point of the parable of the Good Samaritan, guys see somebody lying on the side of the road, two pass by, but one stops and helps him, the Good Samaritan. The point of all of that is, hey, if you're ever in a situation in life, when you come across a bloody guy on the side of the road, stop and help him. That's not the point of the Good Samaritan. It has a greater, larger point. It's an extreme story, but it says the larger point is, be merciful to people in need. Be a good neighbor. And so this parable we just heard is like a reverse Good Samaritan story. It's just as extreme, but it's the ones who actually kill or beat up the guy on the side of the road and in this situation, maybe even murder the person. So the point of the parable of Good Samaritan is not merely stop and help somebody who's been beaten close to death, but it's show mercy, love your neighbor in need. And the point of this reverse Good Samaritan parable is not merely, hey, don't go with marauding, thieving murderers, because most of us are probably never going to face that. But in, instead, <coughs> point four is this. I will commit to better companions. It's like you're going to face situations in life where you're going to have to choose between people that are good companions, that want to follow God and take seriously their life in Christ. And then there are going to be people who take you in a different direction. And they're going to take you away from God into trouble. And those people will not always be marauding, thieving murderers. Most of the time they won't be. But the story is told in a dramatic fashion to stick with you to say, hmm, the company I keep influences the life I live. That's what we're saying here. Now, um, I'm going to say something to you. Every one of us thinks about better companions and we think about the friends you hang out with and so forth. And that, that is true. That includes that. But it also is referring to the people that you spend time with. I'm talking about social media, spending time with people. Are they really great companions for you? Are they leading you to a, follow Jesus more sincerely and more faithfully? Are they consistently saying yes to God? Are they living out the kind of traits that are the fruit of the Spirit? If they're not, or if you're throwing in your lot with people that are heading in the wrong direction, you gotta think through that because they can lead you astray. And this particular parable will offend modern sensibilities on the left and on the right, but it has stood the test of time. We have, in, in my mind, such a chronological snobbery. That's what C.S. Lewis called it. He says, we think that we're the first generation to ever have to think about this problem. And we're overconfident in our answers. And what Proverbs is telling us is, wait, Listen to time-tested, God-fortified wisdom that is to the test of time for 3,000 years. Don't think about the latest trends or what's uh, just what's, uh, what's acceptable today's world or what your favorite newsfeed says or your favorite uh, uh, podcaster or blog poster says. They, they may be great, but 
It all has to be filtered and judged through the wisdom of God's word. And sometimes it's going to be hard to decide. And we need to be okay sometimes with ambiguities. There are difficult moral and ethical issues. And usually there are multiple values at stake. So we're going to have to wrestle through them. It's not going to be easy all the time. A Proverbs is about holistically shaping your mind and heart. It includes great counsel on many specific situations. But it is a collection of wisdom. The entire book is through that whole collection that our lives are transformed. And one of the principles is choose your companions wisely. Commit to better companions. Who's going to help you make progress in life following Jesus? Verse 17. It's useless, he said, to spread a net where any bird can see it. But they, he's referring to this marauding murderer gang, uh, they set up an image to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths who all make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. He says, can't you see the trap? Even birds can figure that out. I'm not going to go in that trap. I just saw the guy put down the net. He's not going to go that. He's going to stay away. He says, these people are bird brains. They have brains smaller than birds. They think that they can do this and they don't see the trap. And what God is pleading with us is when you pick poor companions, and that is what you read, what you take in, the stuff you watch, the things you spend time with and people you spend time with, you, you destroy your own life. You set an ambush to kill yourself, to hurt your, your own life. So here's principle number five. I refuse to be my own worst enemy. I'm just not going to do that. That's just not smart. I refuse to be my own worst enemy. You know, growing up as a kid, uh, I, I loved one cartoon. It was the Roadrunner. You remember Roadrunner? Beep, beep. And he was always going around everywhere. And, um, and there was a particular character that was his nemesis. And he was always trying to catch the Roadrunner. And he never could. Remember him? Wiley Coyote. Yeah, here he is. He's chasing after him and it, he's trying to get the roadrunner, but it always ends poorly for him. And this particular clip um, is number 23 of 168 occasions where Wiley Coyote just made a dumb decision that just backfired on him. Don't be Wiley Coyote. Learn the lesson here. You reap what you sow. When are we going to learn that God has something better for us. Verse 20, wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public square. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. So now this wisdom idea is personified in a woman who is basically calling out in the streets very loudly the truth. We have this sort of uh, idea in the Statue of Liberty in, in uh, New York City. It's, it's that this woman stands for something. She's actually the um, Roman goddess Libertas, liberty, freedom. And, and this woman here in Proverbs is calling out in the street to listen to what I have to say. There's a lot to learn in the streets in real life situations from everyday life. God isn't silent. He's speaking to you through everyday situations. Listen to him. Can you gain some cultural savviness to be able to walk these paths more carefully? Um, we have another symbol like this. It's Lady Justice, which is also the Roman goddess Justitia. She is outside the Supreme Court building and she is a, a, a figure, a personification of justice, which covers the eyes and just dispassionately, carefully and fairly weighs sides of arguments 
and make sure that they are kept in balance. It's fairness, it's justice. So Proverbs has this figure also, lady wisdom, if you will, the wise woman. And Proverbs sometimes even uses faith, wisdom from outside the faith of Israel, plundering the wisdom of Egypt. There's places where, where Solomon actually quotes from some Egyptian wise people. They're not even followers of Yahweh, but he notes in their life, there's something to be learned. There's there, not all wisdom, they're, they're, all truth is God's wisdom. All, all, all truth is God's truth. And he's saying sometimes, the apostle Paul quotes non-Christian pagan and Greek philosophers and poets favorably. Theologians throughout the ages have learned from Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and others. And so too, the book of Proverbs takes wisdom from a lot of different places, sometimes just the wisdom of the streets and communicates it to us under God's uh, approval and says, there's something to learn here. And God speaks his own direct wisdom in the word of God. So we read Proverbs over the next few months and it will shape and mold and stretch and challenge and encourage and embolden you. So God's speaking in everyday situ situations of life and the question is, are you listening? Are you listening? We have two opportunities coming up I wanted to tell you about. The opportunity to gain some wisdom. Uh, one is this Sunday night, January 8th, we're gonna have an amazing um, time together at the Good For All Conference. We have three fantastic speakers, Jess Connolly, Tom Clegg, and Jeannie Armbruster. You are gonna gain wisdom. So take advantage of this opportunity. Don't blow it off. What are you gonna do anyway? Sunday night, it's a couple hours. You're gonna be, I don't know what you're gonna be doing. I can't think of some better way to spend your time than some, spending some time with some people who have some wisdom to share with us. Another one, if you're just starting this whole Christian faith or you even have questions about Christianity, and this is really true, I encourage you, come to Alpha, the first meeting is on Monday, January 16th, uh, and just jump in. It's a safe place to ask great questions. So there's some ways you can get wisdom and start asking questions and thinking through it and having a group of people can help guide your way. So Lady Wisdom, the, woman, the wise woman asks, how long inexperienced ones will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? She says, hey, you're defiantly rebel. How long are you gonna go out this? You're gonna ruin your life. Now she says in verse 23, if you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you. I will drench your life with wisdom. All you gotta do is listen. All you gotta do is be teachable and I will teach you my words. I love how the spirit and the word of God come together. And he says, are you listening? Are you listening? Sometimes in our life, it, it, life is like a dashboard and you know, the dashboard just lights up and it's saying, whoa, 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 you better pay attention. And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom calls out in the street like a dashboard and saying, hey, there's some stuff going on here. Sometimes it's warning, sometimes it's encouragement, but it's telling you things that you need to pay attention to. And she's saying, listen, Proverbs, I believe, knows a great deal about two things, God's ways and human nature. And it takes those two things and says, okay, how are we gonna live our lives? Verse 24, since I called out, she's now saying, this wasn't smart. I called out, you refused, extended my hand, no one paid attention since you neglected all my counsel, did not accept my correction. I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm, your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When trouble and stress overcome you, she's saying, she's not heartless. She's saying, but you've chosen this freely. This is the path you chose. You wanted this. It's kind of like the mom or the dad who says to the kid, they're horsing around and they're uh, you know, doing something that might hurt themselves. And they say, if you break your leg, don't come running to me. 
I warned you, it's a humorous way of saying it. And this situation, they are so clueless about following the ways of God that there's almost a comical aspect to it. She's saying, well, duh, I've been telling you all this and you still chose to go your own way. How's that working for you? Not because she's heartless, but because the triumph of evil would be wrong to celebrate. There's a comical aspect to the rebellious ways that just, they just don't learn. Like Wiley e. Coyote, just keep making the same mistakes over and over. You're falling for this stuff? Really? A few years ago, Burger King had a big ad campaign. They say, we're coming out with a left-handed Whopper. Left-handed Whopper. And it had all the science with it. That it was about the North and South Pole and rotating it. And left-handers need a little bit different angle on the left-handed Whopper. And of course, uh, it, it was like huge. Uh, and actually, it was, it was launched on April 1st. It was April Fool's Day. Most people didn't fall for it. But some people, like, left-handed Whopper, what's that about? Are you falling for this stuff? The wise woman is saying, really? The eventual vindication of God's ways is our only boast. Jeremiah says, don't let the wise brag of their wisdom. Don't let heroes brag of their exploit. Don't let the rich brag of their riches. If you brag, brag of this and this only, that you understand and know me. That's where it's at. In the end, as it were, God will have the last laugh and the last word. Finishing it out here. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search me, won't find me because they hated knowledge. They didn't choose to fear the Lord not interested in my counsel, rejected all my correction. They'll eat the fruit of their way. You reap what you sow. Will be glutted with their own schemes for the apostasy, choosing to go their own way of the inexperience will kill them. And the complacency, didn't care, were apathetic of fools will destroy them. What, what she's saying to us is what goes around comes around. Eventually a life rejecting God will catch up to you. Sixth principle, I will carefully listen to the voice of God. Lots of voices coming at you. Will you carefully listen to the voice of God in all its forms and avenues? And one last verse. She says, but whoever listens to me, wisdom personified, God's truth, will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. In other words, you can enter 2023 with confidence. Here's the seventh principle. I look forward to the year ahead with faith and with confidence. I'm not scared. I'm careful, but I'm excited about the future because God wants you to have a whole new beginning. So I'm going to just close our us right now in a time of prayer together and I ask you to join me. Father, uh, as each person heard this, there was something that took hold in their heart. There was some piece of that that made sense to them. And I pray that that, that chunk, that, that one thought, you would drive supernaturally into their hearts and help them to have a whole new beginning to this incredible year ahead that you have for us if we'll listen to your voice. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen. God bless you all. You guys have a great week.